Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the debut episode of Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler of the Draft Network. Really excited to get started on this journey with you guys, taking you inside the Burgundy and Gold in a franchise that we have all come to love over the years. And I know for me, growing up in the DMV area, going to high school, going to college in the Northern Virginia area, and then progressing, you know, working as a staff writer for the Washington football team at the time. And then now with the Draft Network, Really, really looking forward to sharing my insight and knowledge into the team with you guys. This is going to be a full immersive journey for all you listeners out there. We're going to have players, coaches on, scouts, guys that they draft in April will be on the show. Lots of big things planned ahead for the show, and I'm really, really excited for you guys to join me. So let's jump right in and talk ball. And one of the things that I wanted to focus on in this podcast is keeping it real with you guys the ups and downs of this franchise and unfortunately we've you know as Washington followers fans and media members of the you know last few years and dating back and some of you enjoyed you know the glory days of of the 80s and 90s but for some of us you know myself who you know was 25 years old and I really haven't seen that much success so we're going to keep it real here and we're going to talk ball and and why there aren't successes on the field or why there are successes you know, why certain players fit on offense and defense. We're going to talk about Scott Turner's offense and Jack Del Rio's defense and Ron Rivera's coaching tendencies. And we're really, really just going to dive in to football and, and, you know, what makes this team special? Why is there talent on both sides of the ball that can, you know, allow them to compete for an NFC East title this year? And I want you guys to think of it as, you know, sports talk about the commanders um, from the 400 sections of FedEx Field. It's not from the owner's box. Right, uh, it's not from anybody's yacht. If you're catching my drift, um, so we're really going to talk ball here. And kind of what I want to jump into as our first topic is Carson Wentz, and is a guy that is another bridge option um, in Washington. And the well, you know, they gave up the most assets you could say since you know they traded up to take RG three some ten years ago. Can't believe it's almost a decade ago now when they took RG three and Kirk Cousins in the 2012 draft. But you look at Carson Wentz, and Washington initially entered discussions for a fourth and a sixth rounder, and you give up two mid-rounders and holster a $28 million cap hit for a guy at the end of the year last fall that looked completely unplayable. And you can make an argument that single-handedly he kept the Indianapolis Colts out of the playoffs. And projecting him into Washington, I think there's a bunch of of things you can be optimistic about. I think when you look at the offensive talent that Washington has, whether it's on the front five, a returning front five, you're going to have a healthy Chase Rulia at center. You're going to have a healthy, you know, arm side protectant at Sam Cosme at right tackle. Had an excellent rookie season when healthy. You have Antonio Gibson. The loss of J.D. McKissick, which I will get to in a little bit, is going to be massive. But you have a guy like Terry McLaurin on the outside. He's going to be the best receiver that Carson Wentz has worked with in his career. You can make an argument for all the Eagles homers out there that you know want to say Alshon Jeffrey was that wide receiver one. Sure, he was a big target. He was able to work over the intermediate areas of the field. But he's had no one to the level of talent that Terry McLaurin um, will be for him in this Washington offense. And on the flip side for Terry, 
looking at Carson Wentz and the amount of quarterbacks that Terry McLaurin has also worked with, this is the most talented quarterback that he'll be able to, you know, grow rapport with and have chemistry with. And comparing Taylor Heineke's pea shooter to Carson Wentz's bazooka on his arm that he has, now he's he's failed to kind of live up to that pre-2017 hype, that, M- that almost MVP season that he had in 2017 when the Eagles won their Super Bowl. Um, he's been different post-ACL. But when you look at his projection in Washington and you look at Ron Rivera in his third fall, two consecutive sub-500 campaigns, this is a city desperate for success, and it's an owner in Dan Snyder that's desperate for success. And I think he's made that evidently clear since he's been owner, you know, taking over ownership in the late 90s. So I'm optimistic towards Carson Wentz from a, you know, a fan perspective, but from a realist perspective... I'm skeptical. And in fact, I'm scared, folks. Because when is this team going to be able to nail down the quarterback position and, you know, expend the necessary assets to get somebody in the building that actually wants to play here as well? Because they swung and missed and fell on their face in the dirt trying to acquire Matthew Stafford last year. They stood up, dug their cleats back in the dirt, and swung and missed and fell on their face again, trying to get Russell Wilson. So they settled on Carson Wentz. Which, in reality, pre-ACL, whole different ball game and the scope surrounding Carson Wentz's career. But when you look at him and this fall, and we'll get into it as we move towards OTAs and training camp and the regular season, and this roster really comes around and starts to evolve around him, and you can kind of see the weapons that he will be using at his disposal. You know, we hope if he's able to stay healthy for more than one series, um, you know, this fall. So, one of the, you know, those are kind of my, my initial thoughts on Carson Wentz. Um, but I wanted to kind of transition into the hot topic right now, which is free agency. And a few guys that I think that Washington should, should target. And it starts at linebacker. And where else should it start, right? After losing John Bostic and kind of seeing the rookie hurdles that Jamin Davis was battling all season long. Um, a name that I want you guys to look out for and I expect Washington to have some interest in is middle linebacker Jawan Bentley for the New England Patriots. And as we know over these first three off seasons with Ron Rivera, he likes to strike, you know, in wave two, wave three, even into wave four and five of free agency. And when you look at a guy like Bentley, who's registered over a thousand snaps in his career, and he's only 26 years old. And I think about just even the loss of Tim Settle this offseason just a few days ago going to the Buffalo Bills as a guy that's still 24 years old with multiple years in the league. Juwan Bentley's not just coming from any organization. He's coming from working under Bill Belichick in New England. And when you look at what he was so successful at doing and comparing him to John Bostick, who, sure, was a great guy in the locker room, but on, on Sundays, we saw his lapses in coverage. Would he get a lot of tackles? Sure. Was he the most athletic guy in the field? No. But you look at a guy like Bentley who showed some prowess in, in coverage as a 4-3 middle linebacker, and he got some reps as the sand working opposite of Matthew Judon and Dante Hightower in the middle of that defense. So... You look at a guy like Bentley, and that's a lot of talent at 26 years old. And I think when you're able to get a guy who has some value and just a bevy and a 
a plentiful helping, you know, of starters experience. Um, you know, he's just getting better and better. And for kind of grabbing a guy that can skyrocket his ability when surrounded by the front four that he, you know, would have in front of him, an ability to just eat gaps and chase down guys from, you know, hash to hash and run sideline to sideline. Again, with over a thousand snaps of experience working under Bill Belichick in that defense, there may not be many better options in this free agent class than Jawan Bentley for, for such a high value. So another guy I wanted to look at was cornerback Dante Jackson. And, you know, don't flack me for it because we, obviously we've seen in the past guys from Carolina coming to Washington, whether it's on the field or off the field. Um, but Dante Jackson, what he considering what he would able be able to do, looking back to even what Jimmy Moreland was able to do, what Danny Johnson was able to do, I'm not going to talk about Troy because I would blow up this microphone. However... With Dante Jackson, one of the fastest corners in the league, but he was a successful guy in zone and man in Carolina, and he fought for snaps. You look at the names down in Carolina, and Stephon Gilmore and C.J. Henderson, they drafted J.C. Horn, they got Jeremy Chin on the back end of that defense. He fought for snaps, and when he was on the field, played damn well, and he also got some reps on special teams as expected, as a speed guy, you know, as a gunner, able to get downfield and actually make tackles. Now, whenever we think about gunner and speed, we think about Troy Apke, but again, I won't go there. However, when you look at a guy like Dante Jackson with Kendall Fuller, William Jackson, Ken, you know, Benjamin St. Just, all expected back, adding that versatile piece in Jackson, you know, former second rounder of Carolina in 2018, consistently shown improvement. So we have a guy that runs 4-3, and has the ideal ball skills, a guy that won't break the bank. Every team always needs corners. You can never have enough corners. And when you look at a guy like Dante Jackson, again, he's going to provide that value for you and provide some pop on the outside. And, you know, if he comes in initially and wants to get some special teams run, I'm sure he will. So that's one of the names I'm also looking at. So, you know, to recap is Jawan Bentley, linebacker from New England, and Dante Jackson from Carolina. And the final name is probably a name that maybe is kind of slipped on the radar. He was in Philly for a little bit, but he's been in Houston having a successful career. Is Kamu Grugier-Hill, linebacker for the Houston Texans, has just been absolutely outstanding for Houston. And if Washington does kind of want that, that older veteran piece within the middle of their defense to allow Davis to grow, to allow Holcomb to grow, a guy like Grugier-Hill, who is a veteran in this league and ability to do it all in the middle of that Houston defense, he was the lone spot for that Texans defense this fall. Had a career year, had ball production, was consistently you know, a ball magnet, and, and almost seemingly every single defensive rep that the Texans had, he was near the ball. And that's all you can ask for linebackers. Now, John Bostic was the same way. He's consistently near the ball, but... When you have a guy like Grugier Hill who has experience in space, guy that can cover, flip his hips, and, and work back in coverage, whether he's picking up crossers or whether he's picking up a running back out of the backfield, a guy that's only consistently getting better and better and better, and you're not going to have to break the bank for him, after holstering $28 million of cap space for the aforementioned Carson Wentz, which is going to limit you a little bit, adding a guy like that as a veteran piece in the middle of that defense and you can kind of surround him with Holcomb, with Davis, if you want to kind of bring Kalik Hudson, who they drafted out of Michigan just a couple years ago, that's kind of fallen back behind the curtains um, with Landon Collins playing that Buffalo nickel role. 
he should be able to get some reps as well. So if you have a linebacker core entering this year with Grugier Hill in the middle with two young guys that play with their hair on fire and Jamin Davis to his outside shoulder and Cole Holcomb opposite, that's a damn good crew, right? In the middle of that 4-3 defense. And especially when you have guys up front that are going to allow linebackers to just consistently eat in the A-gaps, in the B-gaps, playing outside the shoulders of the tackle. You have Chase Young, you have Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, John Allen. I mean, heck, you even saw the back end of last year. Guys like Bunmi Rotimi come in and have some success. Casey Tuhill had some decent success. Shaka Tony showed some success at the back end of last year. They drafted, you know, a James Smith-Williams, and they brought on William Bradley King from Baylor last year. So there's a lot of rotational pieces within that front seven. They just have to nail the middle linebacker spot. And I don't see them doing it at 11th overall in the draft. I don't see them taking a Devin Lloyd out of Utah. I don't see them kind of expending an asset on Kobe Dean at 11. Now, if they were to trade back to the low 20s or mid-20s, but you're going to have to have somebody come up at that point. And it's usually for maybe for a wide receiver, maybe for a quarterback, maybe if Malik Willis slips, Kenny Pickett slips. Matt Corral throws at Ole Miss's Pro Day. Someone wants to come up and grab him, whether it's Pittsburgh, whether it's in New Orleans, if they don't trade for Deshaun Watson. But when you look at the linebacking core right now for Washington, and Jamin Davis especially, I think Cole Holcomb is one of the more underrated backers in football. He's been one of the best guys in coverage the last few years, plays with his hair on fire, and he's also got a swagger to him that I know Ron Rivera loves. And for Jamin Davis... The biggest thing with him is don't give up on the guy, right? You draft him 19th overall. Everyone talks about last year, oh, I didn't see the 4-4 speed. Oh, did you watch him against Florida and Kentucky and him running the seam and covering Kyle Pitts? Once he begins to trust his eyes and plays downhill like he did at Kentucky and plays comfortably within Jack Dario's defense, who asks a lot of his linebackers, both in coverage and in the run game, he will be fine and be more than fine. And I think progress into a high-level starter um, within that Washington defense. But I wanted to kind of also get in to the loss of Tim Settle and Brandon Sheriff just a little bit. And with Tim Settle at 24 years old, um, he just fell case to the amount of bodies that were in front of him. And the snaps, there's only so many to go around. Um, and when you have first-round talent in Deron Payne and John Allen and you're working in a guy with Matt Ioannidis, the thing is is that, and I know we've clamored for it, but when you come in and have success that Tim Settle had, heck, he had nine TFLs in his last two years. Deron Payne's had 13 combined in the last two years. Settle's only played about 25% of the defensive snaps, and Deron Payne's played about 75%. So kind of, you know, it adds, adds some... Uh, you know, some questions here for Ron Rivera and crew is to, you know, at 24 years old, trying to, whether you could have thrown in a Matt Ioannidis or thrown in a Deron Payne for a trade package for Russell Wilson or last year for Matthew Stafford. And then you have a guy like Deron Payne kind of sitting in the wings waiting for a bigger opportunity. Came in from Virginia Tech at 335, played at 310. Um, you know, in 2019, he you know, Greg Minuski in 2018 was running that 3-4 defense as kind of that zero-tech nose. He transitioned to a 4-3 defensive tackle, sliding up and down the line, playing one-tech, three-tech. He could do so many different things. 
and his aforementioned age at 24 years old, escaping to Buffalo. It's a heck of a sign for Buffalo. And then finally with Brandon Sheriff. <laughs> I may be on the outside on Brandon Sheriff because a lot of success, obviously, he's, all, he's an all-pro. He's a pro bowler. Fifth overall selection nearly a decade ago. Had a heck of a career in Washington. But it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And looking at the success that Wes Schweitzer was able to enjoy stepping in for Brandon Sheriff makes me believe that, you know, outside of the 11th overall pick where many believe they could, you know, try to take a Kenyon Green from Texas A&M. And sure, that, that may be the answer. But if you look at Wes Schweitzer and what he was able to do in five starts, he's a gritty, mauling defender, wants to stick his fist through your face mask and staple you to the dirt. Those are the type of guys that Ron Rivera likes and offensive line coach John Matsko loves. So I'm really excited about the future along that front five and adding in Wes Schweitzer, you know, with Chase Roulier to his left shoulder and Sam Cosme to his right shoulder. Best of luck to Brandon Sheriff in Jacksonville. You know, he's going to chase his bag, you know, let him do that. But I'm very, very excited to see the success that Wes Schweitzer could have if he's able to stay healthy. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for the first episode, the debut episode of Commanding the Huddle. Wanted to thank you guys for tuning in. Please, you know, like, comment, share, subscribe across all platforms. This is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your news, your podcast, Commanding the Huddle will be on. Check out all of our work over at thedraftnetwork.com. You want to follow me on social media, I am on Twitter, Instagram at underscore Ryan Fowler. This is a bi-weekly pod. New episodes will be released every Thursday and every Monday. So we'll have, you know, moving towards the season, we'll have fresh content coming out right after each Sunday's game. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.